0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest edition of the Scow Long Podcast. I'm your host Zach Neal. Man, it has been a uh, it's been a crazy 24 hours or so. Um, I was actually I was considering not recording an episode this week by week, kind of just chill out a little bit and uh, you know rest and recuperate for a a really busy oregon schedule coming up with washington washington state utah in the next few weeks um and there wasn't there wasn't a ton to note this by week but stuff has happened over the past 24 hours or so um we had dan lanning quotes comments yesterday about injuries and some stuff with um washington on the schedule and then today we actually had the big 10 schedule release for 2024 um and everything that comes with that seeing who Oregon's going to play in the next few years 2024 I think through 2028 so we know everyone who Oregon is going to play over the next four years in the Big Ten which is obviously notable um and even on top of that we've got Dana Altman talking for the first time uh actually here in about an hour and a half or so so I'll go talk to him and um so let's just say it it's not a good time for me to take off a week so I'm actually going to be breaking this down into two episodes. There was um, a little bit of an exercise I wanted to go through about Oregon football, what we've learned, what we haven't learned yet, what we still need to learn. I'm going to record that separately and put that out over the weekend. Um, And in this episode, I'm just going to talk Big Ten schedule, a little bit of injury news, um, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the, um, the Oregon basketball team at the end of this once we talk to Altman and go from there. So all that being said, thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. all right it is a news filled thursday morning um we got the big 10 schedule for 2024 through 2028 so I say schedule, it's more of a list of opponents. We don't know the order in which the games we played yet or the dates they'll be played on, but we know home games and away games. And um, we already knew non-conference, non-conference opponents and everything like that. So I'm not going to get into non-conference, but um, I'm just going to go real quick through the 2024 slate um, for Oregon. I'm not going to talk about 2025, 26 or 27 or 28 yet, Um, I'll get into some of my takeaways after I I break down the initial slate. But just to start things off, in 2024, Oregon is going to host Ohio State, Washington, Michigan State, Maryland, and Illinois. They will be on the road against Michigan, Purdue, UCLA, and Wisconsin. Um, You know, the number one thing I I know is the first thing that I looked at when, um, you know, once the schedule is released. I wanted to see that Ohio State game. I wanted to see... Uh, when they played Ohio state, uh, we, we had a feeling it was going to, if they played in 2024, it was going to be at Autzen because, you know, the last time that Oregon played Ohio state was in Columbus and they were supposed to have that game against him in 2020. It got canceled because of the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So, um, uh, you know, this is, it's really fun to see the ducks are going to be able to host the Buckeyes. All of those, if you remember those preseason cryptic posts between, you know, Brutus the Ohio State mascot and the duck, both of them like hanging out together at Odson. those have finally come true. I don't know if you know that happened before the Big Ten expansion happened so I don't think this is exactly what they were planning but um, you know in hindsight yeah they got it right. Um, but yeah I'm just uh, it's it's always fun when Oregon and Ohio State play each other. Um, I know Ohio State's gotten the better of Oregon. Most of the time in that matchup, they are a career, uh, a career nine and one against the Ducks, with Oregon's only win coming in 2021 in Columbus. But um, you know, maybe that's that's the only thing that the Ducks needed to get over the hump, and now it could be an actual matchup, an actual rivalry going forward. So that's definitely the number one game that I'm most excited for going forward. A close second behind that game, though, also comes next year. It is when Oregon travels to Michigan, and they get to go play in the big house in Ann Arbor, and they get to play the Wolverines. Um, it's you know it's hard to project how good teams are going to be in the future. Michigan, I feel confident saying, is going to be really good once again. They're arguably the number one, the number two team in the nation this year, um, almost like a shoe in to be a college football playoff team. They were in the playoff last year. Uh, the Ducks have a, a really solid history against them. They've won the last ga- last two games they've played against them, both in, uh, I believe it was both in upset fashion. The last one was in the big house with uh, the old Dennis Dixon, Statue of Liberty Play, fake Statue of Liberty Play, both coming in the same game. So um, I'm just, I'm incredibly excited as a media member to get to travel to this game. And to get to go watch a game in the Big House, I mean, this is one of the most famous stadiums in the nation, one of the most famous venues. It holds more than one hundred seven thousand fans, which is almost double the size of Otson Stadium. Otson holds fifty nine thousand, sixty thousand with some standing room. So, um, you know, you almost double that, and you get the Big House. Um, this is this is going to be interesting to see. I mean, Oregon can travel as many fans as they ever have to a game. And I don't think it'll really make a dent in the size of the Michigan fan base there, because this is such a massive stadium. But, um, for any Oregon fans who were excited about traveling to, to games next year in the big 10, I think this has to be the one that you schedule. Um, this is the one you have circled because this is going to be an incredible atmosphere an incredible game between hopefully two top 10 top five ranked teams. Um, You know, depending on when it comes in the season, but man, I just, I can't wait for this one. It's going to be so much fun to watch staying on 2024 before we move on to, uh, to later years. I'm also very excited to see this, uh, Wisconsin versus Oregon rematch. This one's coming, um, at Wisconsin. So it'll be another away game for the ducks, but, um, some pretty fun things have happened between Oregon and Wisconsin for Oregon fans over the past years. It's safe to say the last two times these teams met, it has both been, and they've both been in the Rose bowl and they've both ended in victories for the ducks uh, in rather dramatic fashion. I mean, there was the, what was it? The 2013 Rose bowl where you got the Darren Thomas, De'Anthony Thomas, uh, Chip Kelly days. That was fun. And then the Justin Herbert Rose bowl in 2019, 2020, It was a lot of fun as well. So um, a year from now, it appears the Ducks will be going to Wisconsin, facing the Badgers in their own stadium. That's going to be a a very thrilling, thrilling environment to play in. Um, You know, this, when you look at the Big Ten landscape and the Big Ten teams, Wisconsin's one of the biggest rivals that Oregon has because of that Rose Bowl history and because of what's happened when they've played each other. So this is going to be a really entertaining game, a really fun game. Um, Wisconsin's got Luke Fickle now as their coach. He's a really, really good coach. He's got them headed in the right direction. Um, it's it's too early to say whether or not they're going to be a really good team next year. Whether they're going to be top twenty five, top fifteen, but they're going to be a really, they'll be a solid and well coached team. So that's not a game that it may not be at the top of the. You know, the top of the list of games that you want to see your teams that you want to play the teams that are most dangerous, but it's going to be a good game. And there's there's just so much history between these two teams that I'm really excited to see that one. Speaking of entertaining rivalries in the Big Ten, we also get another rematch between Oregon and Michigan State next year. Um, That's a rivalry that, you know, those are two teams that know each other very, very well at this point. They had that thrilling game um, as ranked opponents against each other in 2014. Uh, that was in Autzen Stadium. That was uh, Marcus Mariota's Heisman year. I remember I was, I was working as an intern for the IMG radio at Oregon during that game. So I was on the field for all of the games during that season, all the home games at least. That was probably one of the most electric atmospheres I've, I've ever been in. Um, the whole stadium, the whole town really was just buzzing all day long and it was kind of before i guess you could say it was before oregon got that monkey off their back that they couldn't beat the big teams Um, michigan state was considered a, a really big team coming in and there was just doubt that the ducks could get it done and when they finally did and they won that game on the backs of marcus Mariota and royce freeman there was just such a relief in the stadium in the city afterwards i i'm gonna remember that game for a long time unfortunately then you had the the 2015 game in east lansing between oregon and michigan state at that time you had vernon adams as the quarterback he suffered that hand injury uh, they they lost the game right at the end it was a very close game um oregon went on to have a relatively frustrating season that was marred by injuries mostly because of adams hand um that season actually ended in the, the alamo bowl lost to ccu which i i don't know why i brought it up it feels like i have to every time i think about that game because it was so tough but um, then back on a high note, Oregon, next time they played Michigan State, last time they played Michigan State, they beat them in the Red Box Bowl. I believe that was in 2018 under Mario Cristobal. So um, this will be another chance for the Spartans to come out West, see if they can get the job done in Eugene. This time they'll be doing it with a new coach at the helm. Uh, Mel Tucker was fired a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see who um, who's coaching them, what they're looking like next year. All right, let's look ahead to um, to 2025 and beyond. The biggest thing I've circled past the 2024 season is in 2025, Oregon is going to go to Penn State. We finally get that trip to Happy Valley, and I am fingers crossed, hoping, praying that this is going to be a whiteout game. If you know anything about college football, then you know that Beaver Stadium in Penn State is one of the mis- most historic venues um, in all of college football, again, it holds over 106,000 fans um, compared to Austin's 59,000. And if you don't know what the whiteout is, it's it's basically just as it sounds. They give all the fans white shirts, white pom poms. They completely white out the entire stadium. And while it may not you know mean much to the actual gameplay, it looks incredible, and it's just a, a rocking environment. And it looks like. It's just really one of the best sites in all of college football. Um, You know, it's, it's usually a night game. Hopefully this will be a night game. Um, I I can't wait to see this when I wrote earlier um, when it was announced that Oregon was going to the big 10. I wrote about, you know, the teams that I most wanted to see Oregon play and the venues that I most wanted to visit in college football now. And happy Valley was up at the top of the list. I've, I can't wait to go to this game and to go travel to Penn state. It's a long trip. Um, I know it's, it's a lot of these trips are going to be tougher for fans to make because of travel expenses and stuff like that. But I think this is one of the few that will be incredibly worth it because Penn state is a a sight to see, um, especially when that team's good, which they have been for the past few years. They project to be for the next few years under James Franklin with Drew at quarterback is a young, incredibly talented quarterback. So, um, I've, I've got this one circled on the schedule for sure. I cannot wait to see this game in Happy Valley. A small note, in um, 2026, Oregon goes back to Ohio State. They will play in Columbus in the Horseshoe again. Um, you know, it's that's not a, a huge deal other than the fact that it's Oregon playing Ohio State, which is always going to be incredibly fun. But this is another one that I've got circled because I have to say that after going to that game and covering that game in 2021 in Columbus, Um, I think to this day, that's still the most fun I've ever had doing this job. I mean, regardless of the outcome of the game, I know it was a a great Oregon win, one of the best Oregon wins in you know, program history, but regardless of the outcome, just being able to take in that environment and be able to see the level of just the level of commitment from that fan base and the, the sense of history um, and legacy in the horseshoe. It's just, you know, it leaves you speechless. It was absolutely incredible. And, we got to be down on the fourth quarter for the we got to be down on the field for the fourth quarter of that game it was a close game at that time um, undoubtedly the loudest I've ever heard a stadium I mean they've got well over a hundred thousand fans in there as well um it was just that was awesome so I I personally cannot wait to get back to Columbus in 2026 to see that game uh anytime you you have Oregon and Ohio State playing you know it's going to be a lot of fun. One, uh, one major thing to note is that it's it's been made clear that Washington is Oregon's protected matchup in this scheduling. So if you didn't know about the, the Big Ten scheduling, it's, you know, it's shocker. It's hard to schedule uh, a whole conference when you've got 18 teams now. Obviously, every team can't play every other team. So um, if you try to do a round robin and do it all, you miss some of these rivalry games. Um, so each team, they call it a, there was some sort of name for it. It's a, a flex protected schedule, something like that, where they, they know they take a, account of the rivalries and they make sure that, you know, your Ohio States play Michigan each year. Your USC's play UCLA each year. Your Oregon's play Washington. So, um, Washington and Oregon will keep this rivalry going throughout every year. Um, you know, that's, that's just their protected game. They will play every season once in, um, you know, home and away. Aught's in Seattle, Aught's in Seattle, um, you know, with the, the loss of the annual rivalry game against Oregon state for now, um, we hope that that will be scheduled as a, a non-conference game going forward, but it's, it's, you know, not on the books yet. So we'll see. Um, You know, with the loss of that, it's just at least comforting to see that the Ducks will have this rivalry game and that some of that tradition will be kept alive. Um, So I I was at least happy to see that, even though we did expect that going into this. On the contrary, though, I was a little bit surprised to see how, I guess, how little Oregon is going to play both USC and UCLA. Uh, Oregon does not play USC in 2024 or 2027. Um, so the Ducks, you know, Oregon will play USC this year for the first time since 2020. Then they won't play them again next year. They'll play them in 2025, 2026, uh, but again they miss them in 24 and 27. And similarly, Oregon plays UCLA in 2024 and 2026, but they don't play them in 2025 and 2028. Um, I was a little bit surprised to see that because you would think that in order to make Traveling a bit easier on the teams out West, the big 10 would try and have Oregon play USC and UCLA most years along with Washington, just to make it all easier. But um, in the end, they didn't exactly go that way. Um, the big 10 COO, Carrie Kinney told the LA, the Los Angeles times that not having USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington play every year, quote, allowed us to have a more fluid rotation for future schedules. So, um, they saw that, you know, it, it's more integral and easier on a lot of teams when, um, you know, you play other teams more, not less. It's what they said. So um, I'm not in the room. I don't know. I'm sure it was incredibly difficult to get all of the scheduling done. Um, I was just a little bit surprised and a little bit bummed to see that Oregon isn't going to play USC specifically that much going forward. I mean, they'll get a couple games in the next few years, but they play Ohio State more than they play USC over the next three years, over the next four years. So um, that, was, that was one small takeaway I had. But um, overall, I'm, you know, I love this stuff. I think it's so much fun to, to look at the schedule and see who Oregon's going to be playing in the next few years. Um, see where these games are going to take place. I think that's so much fun just to be able to, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to be able to travel to these games and, um, you know, get press row seats and get onto the field for the fourth quarter. It's just, it truly is what makes my job so much fun and why I got into this business, to be completely honest. Um, and so when I, when I get to see these games against Michigan on the schedule against Penn state against Michigan state against Ohio state on the schedule, it's awesome man i I just can't wait. I didn't even talk about Nebraska. Um, I forget when it is this in the schedule that Oregon goes to Nebraska, but um, that's another one of the most historic venues in all of college football, so um I can't wait. I'm super excited. I know that uh, we've talked a ton about the the good side and the bad side of the Big Ten expansion and Oregon's move to the Big Ten. This is one of the most exciting sides of it this is this is why it's entertaining um, I know there's there's a ton of downsides, but um, looking at just this specifically, man, it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm so excited. All right, let me take a quick break. I'm going to hop off for now. I'll hop back on after the uh, Dane Allman interview and I'll talk about basketball. Um, the The upcoming schedule, that schedule was actually released for Oregon today as well. feels like a little bit of poor timing to have the big 10 schedule released and the Oregon 2023 basketball schedule released within 20 minutes of each other. But Hey, Uh, not my job. I was, I was not in the planning department there. So, um, regardless, I'm going to hop on, uh, in a little bit and talk about the Ducks and their 2023 season coming up. All right, real quick, before we get into the basketball news, there's a couple of, uh, just injury notes that I want to touch on before we, Um, Move on from football. Um, Noah Whittington, we talked to Dan this week on Wednesday for the first time. He said that Whittington is not expected to return to the field this season. Um, That was unfortunately the – that was a thought. We knew it was a possibility after – uh, it makes more sense after hearing what Dan had to say immediately after that injury. Um, you know, he said that Noah's going to be down for a bit. Obviously we didn't know how long that was going to be, but he really just wanted to offer his thoughts for Whittington. And, you know, he was telling, telling the media and the fans that uh, everyone in that locker room is really, really feeling for Noah. And they're really bummed at the situation. So while we didn't know how, Severe the injury was, we can feel confident now and, and know that you know it is, it is out for the season. That's the expectation. Um, I'm told that it's a torn ACL. We don't know for sure, but that's what I've been led to believe it is. Um, what does this mean going forward? Obviously for Noah, um, this is not the end of his Oregon career. He still has one year of eligibility left if he wants it. It could actually be two years if he decides to register for this year. Um, he has played in four games this year. He's really only played in three games, but technically he got one snap um, on kickoff in that game against Portland State to open the season. Um, so, but four games is the limit. If you play in four, you can still redshirt. If you play in five, you can no longer redshirt. So. If he wants two more years at Oregon, he can have them. He can definitely have one more year with that COVID eligibility season. So it's it's at least good to know that his Oregon career is not over. This is certainly a setback. He'll have to battle back from this injury. A lot of rehab ahead of him, but um, he's a, a strong kid and a, a good rusher, and we hope that he comes back stronger than ever. Uh, what else does this mean? It leads to bigger roles for uh, Jordan James, and Bucky Irving, certainly. I mean, that's kind of a three-headed running back rushing attack um, that Oregon has going. Now that you, you take one of them away, obviously the other two are going to have to step up. Um, but really, even without without Whittington, I think that Irving and James are two of the best rushers in the Pac-12, um, probably one of the best running back duos in the nation. So Duck fans should still pretty confident about their ability to you know, lead that rushing attack. This also could lead to a a much bigger opportunity for uh, Jaden Lamar and Dante Dowdell, the two blue chip freshmen, um, true freshmen. They've gotten a little bit of run so far, uh, mostly in blowout opportunities. So, you know, I've, I've liked what we've seen from them so far, but we haven't seen too much. Um, I'll be very interested to see if the coaching staff kind of goes to them earlier in games now, just to see what we get. Um, You know, we've seen them against second string defenses and they've looked good. They both have uh, 60 some yards and a touchdown each on the year. Um, I'm just curious if we see that opportunity come a little bit earlier in the games. Now, does one of them, does Dante Dowdell turn into that short yardage back like Jordan James was last year? Um, you know, do they get small little opportunities to prove themselves earlier, not in blowout situations? That's something we'll have to see going forward. One last thing is that Oregon's definitely going to need to replace some of Noah's work in the screen game. Um, you know, he, he didn't have a massive role in the passing game in the screen game. Um, more of that was handled by Buck Irving, but Whittington did have, I forget what it is. I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think he had seven or eight catches for, around 80 or so yards. So it's not nothing. It's something I'll be, I'll be interested to see if they try and get Gary Bryant or Tez Johnson, more looks um, kind of those slot wide receivers get, just get them more looks in the screen game, Um, get them more as gadget players behind the line of scrimmage, or they could just take Noah's piece of the, the passing game pie and give it all to Irving. Um, So far, we haven't really seen any, any passing game work from Jordan James. So, um, I don't expect that to come from him, but that's just that's one other area where I think that Oregon might need to step up, have other people step up in Whittington's in Whittington's absence. One other small note before we get on to basketball is Kyrie Jackson, um, the Oregon cornerback who's arguably probably Oregon's, I would almost say, most valuable defender right now. He's been incredible on the outside. Uh, he got hurt at Stanford in the first half. Didn't play in the second half. He is back practicing. Um, Dan Lanning said yesterday on Wednesday when we talked to him that he looks okay. He was practicing. Had a really good day for the month thir- on Wednesday. Um, I I'm told that he you know he could have played in the second half but was held out because you know they didn't really need him to play in the second half and they could they just kind of got an early jump on the bye week. Um and so he he should be fine. Um, they will certainly need him against washington that's the best passing attack in the nation, three of the best wide receivers in the nation. so um having Jackson healthy and able to play is definitely going to be a huge, huge help all right with that let's turn it over to some basketball news. Kind of continuing the trend from the football stuff we just talked about. It sounds like injuries are once again a bit of an issue going into the season for Dana Altman and the Ducks. We talked to him, I talked to him a couple hours ago, um, his first media availability of the year. You know, it's it's so funny to to talk to Dan Lanning and how hyper and energetic he is, and he's just and then you go you talk to someone like dana and it's it's a lot more laid back a lot more relaxed a lot more soft-spoken and um though safe to say that the interview took about 20 25 minutes when uh you know the same substance that he said what we would get if we got that from dan it would be like maybe a three four minute interview so um it's just very very different I, i love this time of year that Um, when you get that mix of basketball and football and you just kind of see the differences in these head coaches, it's pretty fun and, um, interesting to say the least, but back to injuries. Dana said that, um, they've been dealing with several kind of nagging injuries so far this fall. Uh, true freshman Mookie Cook is expected to be out until mid November with an ankle injury. A true freshman, KJ Evans, five-star kid, has been in and out of practice with some minor injuries. Dana said that, you know, they're definitely not major injuries, but he's just had some nagging stuff come up. Um, And then in Dante has been out recently. He's expected to be back next week, but he's had, you know, a couple of of ailments that have kept him out. Uh, This was definitely a big problem for the Ducks last year. They had a lot of players miss time. Um, you know, and finally Dante missed a little bit of time. Keyshawn Bartholomew, Brendan Rigsby, Will Richardson was hurt at times, you know, it definitely hurt. So this team, um, that was one of the things why they struggled so much last season, because they were playing without a full roster for most of the year, um, whether it was the start of the year or the end of the year. So um, unfortunate to say that it's, that seems to be continuing at the start of this year so far. Um, We'll hope it, it once the season rolls around in about a month that, uh, that changes, but you know, at the start at least, um, this is still an issue. According to Dana, um, one of the things that they have improved on is three point shooting. Um, Altman was asked about that on Thursday. It sounds like he's expecting three point shooting to be a lot better. Uh, we know that that was the, one of the biggest flaws on this team last year. <clears throat> they were 32% firm deep on the season, which is uh, that's ranked among the lowest in the nation for sure. Um, One of the things that Altman attributed that to was the fact that they did not get those full seasons from Jermaine Cousinard or Brennan Rigsby or Keyshawn Bartholomew. And that, you know, when you have a disjointed season like that, it's going to interrupt your flow and interrupt your percentages a little bit. And you're going to struggle to get into a rhythm like shooters need sometimes. So he expects with those three back healthy as the returners that three point shooting will improve. He also likes what Jadrian Tracy, an incoming coming transfer, helps with. Um, and then he he also noted that incoming freshman five star Jackson Shellstad was a really good three point shooter at the high school level. Obviously, it changes a little bit at college. The lines back a little bit further. The defense is bigger. Um, but he was a good shooter at the high school level, and and we'll see if that can translate to college as well. One other thing that Dana pointed out was Nate Biddle apparently looks really good this year. Um, he is, he had a really strong finish to last year. He really came on and probably the last month, the season or so um, really started to kind of break out a little bit. Like a lot of people were hoping he would. Um, he apparently looks really good and has been working really, really hard this season. Dana says that he's put on some weight, but more than that, he also, he's just kind of matured as a basketball player and he's kind of, set it into his game and and knows what he's good at, knows what to do and knows where to go and just knows how to be a, a college basketball player. So I think that that's incredibly encouraging for the Ducks. Um, we know that this kid is, is super talented, former five-star kid from Crater. Um, if he can break out and have one of the seasons that we expect him to along in Folly Dante um, and just have those two big guys down low and keep them healthy, I think that the Ducks could be be really good and probably meet or exceed expectations but um, that's a lot of ifs right there so we're, we need to wait for the season to start and see if first of all we can get everyone healthy but um, you know you like a coach pointing out one person in particular and Nate Biddle someone that I think that Oregon fans have been really really holding out hope for because he's an Oregon boy um, and he's got a lot of talent he's if he could just realize that talent and um, put it all together. I think he could be really good. Lastly, Altman talked about the, uh, the change to the big 10, um, the end of the pack 12. He said that he's really sad about the end of the pack 12. He talked a lot about how much he likes this conference and um, you know, how much he likes traveling to certain places and playing these, these teams and just having the history, you know, the shared history with everyone. Despite that though, he's very excited for the new challenges. Um <clears throat> You know he he knows a lot of the coaches in the Big Ten. He knows he knows the success in the Big Ten. He's really excited to face all those teams and he's uh, excited for those challenges. But um, he definitely made made note of how I guess frustrating it is that the Pac-12 is coming to an end and they couldn't figure out a way to get this going. Despite all of that, he said that the goal is still to play Oregon State going forward every year. He said he hasn't talked to Wayne Tinkle, Oregon State's coach um about continuing that game but he he knows that um that will be a conversation that they have down the road and he helps that tinkles on the same side on the same uh on the same page as he is with that all right that's going to do it for us today um really uh, information-packed episode we had the schedule release some injury news some basketball news we kind of touched on a lot of things again um i will be back i think i'm going to release the next episode on sunday I've got a little exercise to go through where I just want to kind of take stock of where we're at in the season. Um, Sunday is actually the technically the midpoint in the season. So yeah, it makes sense to put it out then. I'm going to go over five things that we've learned about the Ducks and five things that we still need to learn about the Ducks. So kind of a good recap, um, look ahead for the rest of the season. But uh, without a game on Saturday, this would be a good time to just um, take stock of where we're at and look ahead forward to the rest of the year. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neil on Twitter. We will talk to you guys on Sunday. Until then, take it easy.